everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Walk. I'm your host, Joshua Ingram. It is Monday, October 25th, year of our Lord, 2021. And this is episode 51. So um, I'm going to talk about some things that I've probably talked about. Um, on, well, I know I've talked about on previous podcasts and um might be something that I've talked about quite a bit, so I apologize if it's repetitive, but um, it is something that was on my mind, and I do want to just, I, I kind of want to, one thing that is beneficial about writing or speaking, doing this podcast or whatever, is that it helps, um, I don't know what the right word is, sync, synchronize your thoughts or whatever, like, because a lot of times if you're thinking about a subject, you're kind of all over the place with it. Um, but when you write it down or speak about it, it it helps um, solidify and 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 formulate the thoughts into a logical pattern. So it really helps, like, just um, develop, you know, the the thought into a concrete idea. Where, well, because when you're thinking about something, like I say, it's it's all over the place. It's kind of um, just um, ethereal i guess is the word and and but when you write it down or speak about it um it just helps make sense of the whole thing and so i kind of want to talk through something just to kind of solidify my position um even though like i say i've i've mentioned uh this topic before in passing um i've posted quite a bit about it on facebook um things like that but um i want to talk about the issue of race and the reason being, and, and the reason it's on my mind is, A, it's in the, the public atmosphere so much with the, the push for critical race theory and, and the even like churches getting involved with social justice issues and, and Black Lives Matter and all that. And it's really just kind of um, come to the forefront here recently. And one of the podcasts that I listen to on a regular basis is called the Just Thinking Podcast. And it's... um. I love it because it's it's two brothers um, in the faith and talking about uh, social justice issues, uh, black, white, race issues in America. And they happen to be uh, two black brothers. Um, they're, you know, of the Reformed faith, really solid uh, Christian brothers, um, at least from what I hear from them on the podcast. I don't know them personally, but... Um, well thought out, well spoken, and and they talk about these issues from a biblical perspective, and it's really really refreshing to hear um, black voices talking about race issues from a biblical standpoint, because a lot of what we get on social media and uh, pop culture is unbiblical race baiting, um, divisive type stuff and it really it, it causes my blood to boil when I when I listen to or when I read about this kind of stuff because like I say it's it's so unbiblical and so divisive and 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 oppressive and it has violence under undergirding it it's like these ideas if brought to full fruition, are going to lead 
um, to oppression and persecution and violence. And so <clears throat> it's upsetting to hear so many people buy into it, especially when the churches um, start bringing up social justice type issues from the pulpit. Um, it's it, it because it's so divisive. It's 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 very um, upsetting and and just makes me angry. And so, the biblical perspective of this is that race itself is such an offensive term from a biblical standpoint. It's an evolutionary term. It's a secular worldly term. It's, it's by nature, it is divisive where there ought not be division. The, the scriptures clearly teach that we all come from one family line. You know, Adam and Eve, God in the beginning made the male and female. We all started from Adam and Eve. And then you fast forward uh, 1,500 years or whatever to the time of Noah, and the entire earth was was wiped out. So from Adam and Eve's children and grandchildren, and from Adam and Eve's lineage, we get a reset with Noah, uh, who stems from Adam and Eve. And then from, from Noah and his children, we get all the people that we currently have on the earth. So we all come from the same bloodline, the same family. We, we all are the same. It's the, there is no distinction. There are no different races. And to suggest that we're different races, different types of humans because of skin color is, is asinine, ridiculous, offensive, and just it, it's, it's, it's wrong. It is plain wrong. Um, in the book of Acts, it says that we all come from one blood, and, and that is a truth. You know, the, the only different, the, the skin color differences is, is the amount of melanin in our, in our genes, which, which it's like hair color. You know, you can have blonde haired people, brown haired people, black haired people, all in the same family line. And you wouldn't say they're different races of people because of their hair color and skin is the exact same. We're all different shades of brown. You know, we have this base color of, of, of this base amount of melanin, which is, is probably like a tannish brownish. And then depending on, you know, uh, where, when, when Noah's children got off the ark and, and spread out over the earth, um, some of them would have, have moved to like the, the Mediterranean or the, you know, along the equator, some would have moved up further north. And because of the amount of sunlight, um, different, it, it, the conditions of the environment would have been favorable to certain, uh, melanin types. And then through interbreeding, you know, people breeding with others of like melanin type, we end up with different cultures. We end up with, with the different um, melanin types that we have today. You end up with uh, people with um, excessive melanin, which, which end up being black people. You have people with uh, um, much less melanin, uh, which would be white people. You end up with people in between which would be like the, the Arab or, or Latin bloodline or whatever, but we're all the same. There, it, to suggest that the skin color somehow differentiates us is, is ridiculous. It, it, it's, it's foolish. 
And like I say, it's it's divisive and it, it ought not be taught in the churches. And when the secular society tries to push it, we ought to reject it outright because we're not different because of our your skin color doesn't affect the way you behave or the way, you know, the things you like or the things you dislike. Skin color has no bearing at all on that. The differences we have are simply cultural because you're brought up in different cultures um, with, with different um, uh, behaviors and, 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 and different, um, you know, different foods, different music, different attitudes, different, different uh, characteristics. Those all come from family. And, and that can be, that has, like I say, it has nothing to do with skin color. Um, you you can live in a in a predominantly white neighborhood, and you're just as different from your white neighbors as you are from uh, an Asian family, you know, from a different neighborhood, or a, or a black family from a different neighborhood. It has nothing to do with the skin color. It has to do with the way you were brought up, the the culture you were raised in, um, those 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 cultural differences um, are erroneously pointed at as saying oh that's a black thing or oh that's an asian thing or oh that's a white thing no it's not the skin color doesn't determine that if if you take a a white baby and you have them ad- adopted by a japanese family and they're raised in that japanese culture their their likes and dislikes and behaviors and characteristics are going to be the same as the Japanese. It has nothing to do with the skin color. It has to do with the way they were raised. So for people to point out these differences and 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 suggest that it's black a, a black thing or a white thing or a Latin thing is is foolish. And like I say, it's it's divisive, and it's evil. It it's evil. Because the word race in itself implies that um, there that somehow one group is more favorable than another. Um, that that's the evolutionary root of race. Is that um, based on the the theory of evolution, one group is more evolved than another group. And so you can see the evil in that. There's a supremacy issue. There's there's a um, just a, a root of pride there that's evil. And so it's really upsetting um, when you hear about this stuff in the media or, or in the news and especially in the church. Like, it just ought not be so. The, the Bible clearly teaches that we're all one blood. Um, to, to cause division over something so foolish as skin color is, is like I say, just plain evil. And it upsets me because right now the current trend is to say well black people were oppressed by by a predominantly white society um you know as recently as like 1950 and therefore the solution is to oppress the people of that of the skin color that were formerly the aggressors so because a predominantly white society oppressed black people in this country um in the past now the way to get revenge, so to speak, is to oppress the whites um, in, in favor of the blacks. 
And again, that's just a divisive rhetoric that ought to be rejected. Modern society, there's very, very few people um, that judge others based on skin color. You know, we've we've grown um, as a society to 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 know that, hey, skin color has no bearing on this there's there's no reason to to hate or oppress because of skin color so the amount of people that actually you know hate based on skin color is very small you have a you have an ignorant group out there that buys into this but but when the media perpetuates it it's causing um more racism it is causing um uh, in this particular case, it's causing blacks to hate whites. It's causing um, society to blame white people um, for problems, and and that is evil. It's it's there like we need to move beyond that. The vast majority of people will no longer judge people based on color. They judge people. Well, unfortunately we're taking steps backwards here. Like I say, because of society, because of the media, because of this, uh, perpetuated nonsense. But most people nowadays, um, will judge based on character, not on, on color of skin. And in the church, like the real church, the born again, there is no judgment based on any of that. We recognize that all people are sinful. All people are evil by by nature, by birth. And you must be born again. And and the the born again nature um is not limited to any culture or or skin color. It's for all people, Jews and Greeks. There is no longer male or female. There is no longer Jew or Gentile. There is no longer black or white. In Christ, we are all one. And the church ought to be coming together in Christ and 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 teaching this, pro, proclaiming this, that, hey, there are no distinctions among us because of color. We, we need to be born again, and then you're my brother or sister. You know, all the born again from every tribe, tongue, nation, color, ethnic group, whatever— if you're born again, you're part of the Christ family. You become a brother or sister in the faith. So for the church to then say, oh, there's all these oppressive social issues, it's like I say, it's divisive. The fact that even people will, will say, oh, that's a black thing or that's a white thing, that in itself is divisive. That's so foolish to to point out the skin color as the difference. Um and and again, it just it's very upsetting um, to hear society doing this because it, it when you follow that trail, when you think that through, where is this Marxist um, CRT nonsense leading? It is leading to division, oppression, persecution, and violence, and it needs to be rejected. And the way to reject it is to expose it for its foolishness and to stop using its terms to reject outright the black-white thing, the, 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 the word race. You know, it's, it, and it boils down to everything. I get upset when I hear uh, a comedian say, oh, black people always do this, or white people always do this. It's like, that is perpetuating the nonsense. The, it, it's, no, your culture may do this, or your culture may do that, but it has nothing to do with skin color. And 
I've always been upset about like when I turn on the TV and there's a channel called Black Entertainment Television. That in itself is divisive and and should be rejected. Or when there's Black History Month, like that is divisive. That needs to be rejected. Um, but I just I don't see the church emphasizing this that we're all from one blood. There there should be no distinction. There shouldn't be uh, black issues and white issues, or black things and white things. That that should not be. Um, that that it's 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 a non-existent thing. The only distinction in the human race is lost or saved. There's in the kingdom and out of the kingdom, and and there's absolutely no hatred towards those that are out of the kingdom. There's uh, pity and compassion and a desperation to see them brought into the kingdom. Um, so the Bible, um, the biblical view, the born again nature, um, is in itself opposed to this divisive rhetoric. And, and so when it's perpetuated in society, it's very, very upsetting. And I just don't see a whole lot of people resisting it. I don't see the church taking a stand and saying, Hey, this is ridiculous. Let's let's stop referring to each other as black and white. Let's stop referring to each other as different races. Let's start referring to each other as lost and saved. And that's the only distinction. So, um, again, I, I apologize if it's repetitive. I know I've mentioned this a few times in the past, but it is something that dominates society and it is something that upsets me. And... Um, when I listen to that Just Thinking podcast, you know, it gets me thinking about these things. And I am, I'm overjoyed at the fact that uh, these, these brothers on the Just Thinking podcast are speaking biblical truths um, into this issue. Um, unfortunately, there's just not enough of that. Or at least there's not enough of that uh, in society. You don't see a whole lot of this. And you actually see um, some churches, some solid churches, some solid pastors taking up this mantle of critical race theory and taking up this mantle of, of Black Lives Matter and and perpetuating this divisive nonsense where they ought to be uh, stopping it. They ought to be fighting against it. You know, we, we need to recognize that as Christians, we are one family. There is no... Uh, distinction based on on tribe or culture or or nationality or whatever you're, you're in Christ or you're not and th- and that's it that's the only distinction so um yeah I, so I wanted to talk about that um another issue that I wanted to talk about was something that came up at at um, my last Bible study um. Paul once wrote that he was the chief of all sinners. And when you look at that, you say, okay, uh, there, there's there's two possibilities there. Either A, Paul really was the chief of all sinners. He was the worst sinner that ever lived. Or um, he viewed himself as the chief of all sinners. And I think that's what's being referred to. I don't think Paul was a worse sinner than anybody else. Um, what about the people that crucified Jesus? What about the Pharisees? What about, um, you know, the, 
dictators and and emperors that slaughtered and and did genocide um and biblically speaking there is no worse sinner than anybody else all sin is treason against the most high god and is punishable by eternal death so when you look at if you look at sin in in uh, from a from a, a a horizontal level if you if you're looking at it like how it affects other people yes there are distinctions in sin you know if i if i murder somebody that's going to have a much bigger effect on society and and you know the people uh involved with the person that was murdered than if i lie to somebody the consequences are going to be uh vastly greater if i if i murder them versus if i lie but if you look at things from a vertical standpoint that uh, James said, if you've broken one part of the law, you broke the whole law. Like the law is the law. It's one law. Obey God. And so when we disobey, there, there's no levels there. It's, it's all sin is equally severe because all sin is punishable by e- eternal death. All sin, whether lying or murdering, is treason against God. It's disobedience to God and it's, it's evil wickedness. And so there's no distinction there. So I personally believe that that when Paul called himself the chief of sinners, the the reason he said that is the born again Christian, uh, which Paul was, is intimately aware of their own internal nature. They're aware of that war that goes on. They're aware of their own flesh. They're aware of their own desires because we're constantly examining our hearts and testing ourselves. And we're aware of our faults. The, the, the closer you get to God, the more familiar you become with his character and his commandments, the more familiar you are with your failures, the more you see how often you fail. And, and you start to see the, the wickedness of your desires, the wickedness of your motives, the wickedness of your thoughts. And, you you're not aware of that in other people like scripturally and intuitively we know that all people are the same that everybody is is struggling with this wicked flesh nature that i'm not different than anybody else paul's not different than anybody else we all have that internal nature that is full of wickedness that is full of pride and lust and covetousness and greed and and all these things. So every born-again Christian is aware of that. The distinction is, I don't know, although I know from, from, a, from, a, from a mental, from a, from a um, scholastic, uh, textual basis, I know that all are sinners and all fall short of the glory of God. And we all have that same nature. So I know in that aspect that we're all the same. But on a experiential level, on a personal standpoint, I know the wickedness of my own thought life. I know the wickedness of my own heart, and I don't know yours. I don't see your daily thoughts. Like uh, again, I intuitively and 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 scripturally know that you're having them, but I don't experience them. I experience my own, and so Paul experienced his own heart. Paul experienced his own mind. Paul experienced his own motives and desires. And because of that, he viewed himself as the chief of all sinners. He viewed himself 
as worse than everybody else because he experiences his own sin on a daily, uh, minute-by-minute, second-by-second basis. He sees his own thoughts, his own heart. And so he, he said, you know, I can't see your heart. I see mine. I, I know we're all having the same thoughts, but I'm experiencing mine. And so I see myself as the chief of all sinners. And I think that's where Paul was coming from when he said that. And I think that his experience ought not be foreign uh, to the born-again Christian. We all um, should be feeling that same way. We all should be seeing ourselves as the chief of all sinners because we're all experiencing our own motives and desires and hearts and thoughts and fantasies and all the wickedness that goes into our flesh nature. You live with your own heart every day. And if you're, if you're examining yourself by the light of the scriptures and, and seeing your faults like you ought to, then, then you're aware of how wicked and sinful your flesh nature is. And so every Christian ought to see themselves in the same way that Paul saw themselves, as the chief of all sinners. You, you ought to see your sin, your, your wicked thoughts, your wicked motives, your wicked desires, and you ought to think, I am worse than everybody else. And... The, the reason I think we do that, uh, well, it's twofold because, A, that's how you're sanctified. The, the Lord is shining light on your sin so that you recognize your desperate need for him and, and the desperate war that needs to be waged against your flesh. Uh, but also that thought process, that self-examination causes you to have compassion and pity on everyone else. How could I ever hold fault against somebody else um, when I do the same or worse? When when I know my own heart, how could I ever look down my nose at somebody else and think that I'm better than them? If I view myself as the chief of all sinners, I'm going to hold everybody else in higher esteem. I'm going no matter what I see them do. No matter you know, I I can't see their heart. I see their outward actions. And, and I, you know, when I see those outward actions, I recognize that that same sin dwells in me. And I also recognize the 50 million other wicked thoughts and desires that are in my heart. So no matter what somebody does, having that proper view of self um, causes you um, to have that compassion and pity on, on, on sinners, on, on sinful, on the sinful world. You know, I can never ever preach a holier than thou message because I'm not holier than thou, because I am a wretched sinner. And, and that's why Paul had that evangelistic heart. That's, you, you could never picture yourself seeing Paul, uh, preach down his nose at somebody or, or, or think he's better than anybody else because he viewed himself as the chief of all sinners. And so when we have that proper understanding, that keeps us humble as well. And so uh, one of my brothers uh, at a at, at Bible study said, um, I think that's something, he goes, because I referred to myself again as the chief of all sinners, and he goes, I, I don't think you really believe that. I think that's just something Christians say. And that kind of took me aback because it was like, well, hold on now, brother. Like, I I don't think you understand. Like, I do view myself as the, like, that is a honest, real statement. 
because I live in my head. I, I live in my heart. I see the daily um, thoughts that I have. I see the daily motives. I see that even every good thing I do is tainted uh, by pride and selfishness and, and a manifold other uh, wicked things. And so, like, I, I am the chief of all sinners in my mind. I'm way more wicked than anybody else that, that, you know, and every Christian ought to have that. So again, I was, I was kind of taken aback because it was like, this, this isn't, this isn't a, uh, this isn't just one of those things Christians say. This isn't just a, um, something that's nice to say to, to make ourselves sound humble, um, without real thought behind it. And if you don't think that about yourself, um, you're not being true with yourself. You know, God desires uh, truth in the inward parts. He desires us to have true thoughts about ourselves, to be real with ourselves. And if you're really honest with yourself and you're examining your own thoughts and your own desires on a minute-by-minute basis throughout the day, you recognize how sinful you are. And so every Christian ought to have that thought. Like, I am the chief of all sinners. And and again, the, the, the great benefit of that is that I will never um, look down upon anybody else because of that. I will never um, think that somebody deserves condemnation and justice more than I do. It, it causes us to hold people up and it causes us to preach from our knees with tears in our eyes rather than preaching from up on high, looking down our noses at people. Uh, but anyways, I'm, I'm coming up on a break here, uh, so stick with me and we'll pick up on the other side. Hey, welcome back to the Weekly Walk. I'm your host, Joshua Ingram. And uh, just... Moving on here, um, the third topic that I want to talk about, um, is in regards to teaching and preaching. So there's a few real simple, basic, fundamental, um, two points here. In, in regards to effective teaching and preaching. Um, number one, of course, is that you must be called um, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Like, a lot of us might have a desire to do something, um, or we might... Um, feel like we're we're gifted towards a certain thing um evangelism or teaching or preaching or whatever the case may be but without the calling of the lord without the empowering of the holy spirit it's really going to be ineffective regardless of how theologically sound you are or um how much of your doctrine you have nailed down or or how how correct uh, the things that you say are. If it's not, uh, if it's not empowered by the Spirit, it's not going to have any um, effectual uh, working 
um, on on an individual's heart. Like, how many times have you heard a a good sermon? And by by good, I mean like it was solid. It was it was um, doctrinally sound. It, it 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 had the gospel in it. It was it was accurate, um, but it just felt dry. It felt empty. It it wasn't it wasn't it didn't grasp your heart. It wasn't impactful. It didn't cause change. Um, and I think that's because there's a lot of people um, who take it upon themselves to preach. They say, um, well, I'm born again now and um, I'm well-spoken, I'm intelligent and, and um, this seems like the thing to do. Like I ought to, pre- you know, we're, we're called to proclaim the gospel, so I'm going to preach. And I think a, a lot of people do that and, and they'll go into seminary, they'll, they'll learn the Hebrew, the Greek, they'll, they'll learn all the right stuff, all, all the things that scholastically are supposed to be learned, you know, and then they'll take on the role of an elder or a pastor and they'll go preach. Uh, but there's, there's no, like God hasn't ordained them to that purpose. They haven't been um, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and so their messages are flat and dry and um, unmoving upon the heart. Uh, like I say, they, they can be theologically sound and, and, and just, you know, um, from a scholastic standpoint, they're, they're accurate but it's just, it's, there's, it's a dry emptiness to it. There's no, there's no power. And sadly, I feel like there's, there's a lot of that. I feel like there's just a lot of, of churches and pulpits that are full of, of well-intentioned people, um, or not well, well well-intentioned, but maybe, you know, some sort of, um, pride or desire to lead or, or be an authority figure or whatever it is that, that underlies their motives behind doing it. But whatever the case may be, you know, they're, they're probably well-intentioned people, but they don't have the power of the Holy Spirit upon them. And, and so the, it's, it's ineffectual. And so I would say that the first thing to, to recognize in regards to, to be, to becoming a, a teacher or a preacher or a pastor or an evangelist is, um, you have to be called, you have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And, and I'm guilty of this as well. I've taken on a lot of tasks, even this podcast where, um, you know, most of the time there's very little prayer behind it. There's very little moving of the spirit behind it. Um, so I, I would have to confess that I'm guilty of this as well. I think part of being empowered by the Spirit. It, so even when you are called, I think we get the empowering of the Spirit through the prayer closet, through much time in prayer, and then the Spirit will move upon you and, and, and cause your words um, to have an effect, to have an impact on people. But um, you have to have that calling and empowering by the Spirit, first of all. And then the second thing I, I want to talk about in regards to this is... Um, I feel like there's a lot of um, intellectualism in 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 preaching and teaching, um, and I I don't know what the motive behind that is. I, I I don't know if it's people wanting to show how smart they are or how educated they are, or if it's just um, 
uh, a lack of discernment and understanding, like like they just, you know, they've learned all these things, and so they they feel like like maybe there isn't thought behind it. They just communicate these things and in, in in big theological terms and 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 using um, complex ideas and 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 uh, just you know big ed- educated collegiate level words and i feel like um there's a lack of understanding there like if you want to teach somebody something um you have to teach at the lowest common denominator you have to be able to convey your thoughts you have to be able to um express um the ideas or the things that the Lord has shown you in the scriptures, you have to be able to express these things in a way that everybody can grasp. You you have to, like, that is what teaching is. Teaching isn't about showing off how smart I am. Teaching isn't about um, expressing all these big ideas that I've learned. It's not about showing my education level. Um, teaching is about um, making sure that the people you're communicating with are grasping the ideas and principles of of what you're trying to show them. You want to, so you want to um, convey these thoughts in a way that can be grasped. Otherwise, it's pointless. It's it's you know if you go to a seminar on the uh, inner workings of a large machine at a big factory and they're using all these complex engineer terms. Um, even though everything being said is, is accurate and factual, it's going to have no effect on you. It's going in one ear and out the other. You know, there, there's no, you're not understanding what's being said. When, when you convey something to somebody, you want them to understand, like you want them, a teacher of the word has been shown things in the scriptures, has been, the spirit has revealed, um, these these glories you you found golden nuggets in the scriptures and now the lord has empowered you to share these ideas with others and and the purpose of that is to get them to see what you see it's to 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 reveal this glory you want to unveil the the glorious golden light of the lord and that's not done um through intellectualism it's not done through education it's it's done through um simple expression and 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 conveying of thoughts and so i've always thought like you know you basically you want to teach so that even if like I don't know why I always think of a fifth grader, but I feel like maybe maybe that's the age where you actually start to reason and think for yourself, fifth grade. So you you want to express things in a way that even a fifth grader can pick up on it. So so you want to take complex or or theological ideas. The, the you want to take. Uh, the wisdom of God that you've seen in the scriptures, and you want to unpack it in a way that everybody can grasp it. And so when you hear uh, uh, a pastor or an elder or a teacher or an evangelist or whatever, speaking in high lofty terms and, 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 and just showing off their education, 
I, I feel like the point is being missed there. Like your your audience is is like eighty percent of them maybe aren't going to grasp what's being said. And what's the point of that? You know, what what is the point uh, of just showing off your intellectualism if, if if nobody's getting what you're saying? That's it's it's pointless. It's fruitless. The the point of it is is to convey these thoughts. And so a you have to be called and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then B um, you you need to be able to take your ideas and 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 complexities and and theological philosophical spiritual ideas these these great nuggets of wisdom that you found in the scripture you want to take those and unpack them in ways that everybody can grasp and and so you want to speak that way you want to speak you know through through word pictures through through um analogies through metaphors through similes through you know all the various ways of teaching through um a lot of times it's as simple as just you know taking a word and and giving several synonyms for it um so that the idea can be grasped but but the point is is that you want to speak in a way that everybody can pick up on it otherwise it's pointless and I I feel like that's missed in a lot of things. Like I'll listen to um, some theologians or pastors, and and they're talking, and they they use big lofty words and theological concepts, and they don't really explain what it means. And if if you're if you're not you know at that level, if if you're not at that collegiate level of study, you're not going to pick up on what's being said. It's going to go in one ear and out the other. And like I say, then it's just fruitless. It's pointless. It, it's it's of no benefit. Um, you want to speak in a way that's going to benefit everybody, and 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 so I just I feel like that's something that's missed a lot in the churches. And then of course the third thing would be you know if if well never mind I, I'll stick to the two because that's what I was thinking about. I, I don't want to go beyond what I was thinking about. Um, one last thing I want to touch on real briefly here. Um. I've been enjoying my prayer closet here lately, and I am by no means um, what what Christians would call a prayer warrior. I I don't spend one one hundredth of the amount of time that I need to in prayer. Um, I I I slack in that department quite a bit, and it's it's been very grievous to me because. I find so much pleasure and joy and refreshment in those times in the prayer closet. It's like, why don't I do it more? Why? But of course, the reason is the flesh hates it. Uh, the flesh would rather do anything than prayer. The flesh would rather lay in bed and stare at the ceiling um, than go into the prayer closet. Um, so there's there's a spiritual apathy and a spiritual laziness uh, that keeps us out of the prayer closet. But something I've been noticing here lately is um when i have like a concern or a frustration in life um and i go into the prayer closet i have found that just talking to the lord about it relieves so much of the burden you know and and it's really made that you know we we bring our burdens to the lord we lay our burdens at his feet it's really brought that idea to life 
um, over the last couple weeks here. Um, because there's been times where I've really, really been frustrated about something. And <clears throat> usually I would just, or in the past, I would foolishly express that frustration, um, whether to the individual or just like in general, whatever the frustration may be, however it may be presented. I would just, I would put it out into the public atmosphere. I would, you know, speak about it and um, just... I don't know why you I suppose you feel like you're unburdening yourself but you're really not. But lately um when I find myself frustrated or or anxious or worried or whatever and I'm not one prone to worry but um when those times do come rather than express it or address it or whatever I bite my tongue until I can get into the prayer closet. And then I have found that just talking about, like, I don't need an answer from the Lord. I don't need a solution. I don't need a direction on on how to address it. But just unburdening these thoughts, just speaking them to the Lord, has brought so much peace and 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 so much joy and so much refreshment. There have been things, um, like specifically here, I suppose, just to give you an idea, there's, there's been a few things with a, a few different brothers that I've been frustrated about. And um, I've wanted to talk to them about it, but I've recognized my own sin. And I've recognized if, if like, if I go, if I go say this, there's going to be some bitterness in it. There's going to be some offense. There's going to be some pride. There's going to be some covetousness. And it's not going to turn out well. I don't like I've recognized I don't know how to speak this and have it be fruitful. I don't know how to to bring this up and have it be beneficial. And and so I've I've been frustrated on a few different instances here. And rather than speak it to the brother, rather than than, you know, go down that path of confrontation or whatever it's going to be. I've just bit my tongue and then I've gone into the prayer closet and I, I've talked to the Lord about it. I've I've expressed it to the Lord and in doing so it's been relieved. It's it's like that that weight is really gone, that burden is gone. That that thing that, you know, I thought that I needed to bring to my brother to be corrected about, I just turned it over to God and and just went to him and, and said, Lord, here's where it is. What do I do about this? And in doing that, I don't I don't get an answer. Like I say, I don't get clarity on what to do about it. But I no longer need to know what to do about it. I've turned it over to God and and expressed it to him and, and left it in his hands. And and like I say, man, there there's just so much peace in that. It's been very, very beneficial and very refreshing. And like I say, even right now, as I think about it, it's exciting to think about. And it's like, man, why don't I go in a prayer closet right now? And then the flesh is like, ah, you know, you don't want to go do that. That's that's such a ridiculous thing <laughs> that the flesh resists it. And it's it's it like, I don't know. It's It's just been a very, very good thing to recognize that I can just bring these things to God talk to him about it, and then just be done with it. Just leave it behind, you know. So, anyways, um, I'm going to wrap up there. I guess that's what I got for you guys this week. 
As always, I, I truly appreciate you listening. I love you, and Lord willing, we'll talk to you next time.